G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story... We used to have teams to churches where the teen chorus, which was like a a youth choir, went with Clive and the choir would sing and then Clive would preach. And so uh, we, of course, got to know Clive's repertoire of sermons and we often kidded him that if he collapsed during a sermon, some of us could finish them for him. (laughs) (laughs) The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time on the program, we spoke with Clive Stebbins, who served the Lord in various roles for over 60 years, including several as the Director of Youth for Christ. He received an OAM, or Medal of the Order of Australia, for his service to the international community and to youth. Today, we're chatting with Glenda Diaga, who worked with Clive for many years in various organisations. Glenda is part of a team that's compiling Clive's life story in a book called Blue Skies, Green Lights and Purple Pump Handles. Today, Glenda will share further insights into Clive's colourful life journey and share a bit of her own story as well. She's chatting with Eric Scatterbo. Welcome to the program, Glenda Diaga. Thanks, Eric. It's good to be here. Glad to have you with us. And I have to ask you about this colorful title of the book, Blue Skies, Green Lights, and Purple Pump Handles. Why that title? Well, there's nothing worse than a book with a boring title. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and so we thought about that. And that was an expression that Clive used in writing letters to the international director of Youth for Christ, who lived in Geneva at that time in Switzerland. And so in the days when greetings in letters were fairly serious, because YFC was such a fun organisation in many ways, this was the way that was incorporated into the closing message of each letter that Clyde (laughs) wrote to this particular man, Jim Wilson. And uh, so it was fun. Yeah. And it sort of stuck. And I thought, well, hey, that's a great title for a book. So this was a phrase that he used all the time, and it kind of gives some insights into kind of the crazy, colorful personality that Clive is. Yeah, and we had a lot of fun in Youth for Christ, yeah. Yeah, speaking of fun in Youth for Christ, a lot of crazy, out-of-the-box things that you used to do in the ministry, including hay rides through the middle of Melbourne. Tell us about this. Sure, I did. Well... Youth for Christ was um, certainly the foremost youth organisation, particularly in, I guess, the heydays of the 60s, 70s and into the 80s. And so some of the things that we did was the hayride through the centre of Melbourne on yeah. coke trucks. <laughs> uh, there were other things like the Gold Coast Camp, which went for about 20, over 20 years, the Gold Coast Camp. One year we had a 1,000 kids from Melbourne took them up on the train, and that was the year that John Smith was the speaker, and some of the God Squad guys. At times we used buses when it was no longer the train. So those Gold Coast camps were fantastic with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kids in camp there at um, the National Fitness Camp at Tullabudgera. Then we had the happenings in Melbourne at Belgrave Heights Convention, and I clearly remember the day 
that Clive came out of his office and spoke to Becky Bell and myself and said, do you think we could do a youth version of Belgrave Heights Convention? And the happening was born. And so that went on for 20 years and thousands of kids attended that. We packed Belgrave Heights Convention out and on a Saturday night, you know, there were kids filling that auditorium, which of course had the wooden chairs and the sawdust on the floor at that stage. <laughs> and when they're all singing and moving around, the dust rose and the possums were in the roof and all sorts of exciting things. So if you got a bit <laughs> bored in a message, you counted how many possums you could find scuttling around the roof rafters. <laughs> so that was fun. Was there a story about a goose chase? Oh, yes. Well, Campus Life Clubs were our school, uh, high school clubs held in a number of schools across Melbourne. And one of the things that we did was we had camps, we had outings, snow trip, but we also had the wild goose chase where uh, in Royal Park in Melbourne, and that was a lot of fun. But I think the thing of um, campus life clubs that most kids would remember who were in those clubs was certainly the electric chair. Electric chair? Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was a little stool that had a little battery underneath it, and uh, you sat on it for a countdown and, of course, once the countdown went, someone would zap the chair and you would get a hair-raising experience. <laughs> and it was quite a rising experience. Whoa, 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 whoa. What was the purpose of this? Oh, it was fun. School <laughs> kids. You've got to engage kids. If you want them to listen to you with a serious message about life and the gospel and living, you've got to engage them. And I believe there is still one around somewhere. Okay. All right. So a lot of fun, crazy experiences, you know, working with youth, and that's kind of how you keep yeah. people and you've involved. got to do that. You've got to yeah. stay fresh and new yeah. and come up with new things. We used to have teams to churches where the teen chorus, which was like a, a youth choir, went with Clive or and others, Brian, Brian Tizard, and we would go to churches often in the country mm -hmm. for weekends did a lot of that, and the choir would sing. Various artists would sing as well. We'd take soloists with us, and then Clive would preach. And so uh, we, of course, got to know Clive's repertoire of sermons, <laughs> and we often kidded him that if he collapsed during a sermon, some of us could finish them for him. <laughs> you heard him that often, huh? <laughs> because we heard them, the poor old pencil sharpener instead of the rich young ruler and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It was good fun, and he was a very good preacher. Lots of kids could still remember those sermons of Clive's and a very strong evangelistic message, of course, and hundreds of kids came to know the Lord during that time. But uh, we also, you know, sometimes with the school jokes that he would tell and then he had a whole string of school jokes and uh, the choir would be asked, please, to smile and laugh at the appropriate times <laughs> because we heard them so often. Oh. They are what you would call today dad jokes. Oh, there you go. But it was fun. Now, we want to go down memory lane and find out how you met Clive for the first time. But first, let's find out a little bit about your background. Where were you born and raised? I was born in, well, I was born in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And actually, my uh, mother, my birth mother, mm -hmm. uh, came to Melbourne from Sydney and had a baby girl who she left behind. And uh, she disappeared off the scene. Oh, wow. So, I was adopted out to a family here in Melbourne. At that point, they weren't active Christians, but a lady came looking for Sunday school kids in our street when I was about three, and my mum said, yes, you can take her to church, and so they sent me to Sunday school as a three-year-old. 
And so I got involved there. Uh, I grew up there as a teenager and I sang in the church choir. And during that time, Billy Graham came to Melbourne. And mm-hmm. so I was a year actually too young to sing in the Billy Graham choir, but the church wrote a letter and I got in. <laughs> and it was through that that uh, Brian Tizard, who was Cliff Barrow's understudy, invited any of the young people in that choir to come and who wanted to sing and sing in the teen chorus at YFC to come along. And so I did that. There weren't any young people in our church of any note. And so I went with one other person and I stayed. And I had no idea at that point in my life that that small decision to go and sing in that choir would be a life-changing decision. Now, had you become a Christian at that point? Yes, I had. I mm-hmm. became a Christian at 13 mm-hmm. through a girls' club at church. and But it was really when I went to YFC that I started to really understand what it meant to live as a Christian mm-hmm. and to live as a disciple of Christ. And Clive Stebbins was the director at that time? Yeah, Clive had been the director for a number of years prior to that. He started YFC in Melbourne about 1953, and this was 1969, so it was mm-hmm. a good deal later. And I was still at school at that point. And how did you eventually get involved yourself with the ministry? So I came along and I joined the teen chorus. I ushered at events, ushered at rallies as we did. And the teen chorus was really the core of young people. And so we also had a Bible study in the city every couple of weeks. And we'd go to that. And that was the core group. And so I was part of that core group. And I trained as something else. And then after about three years, Clive went to Cyprus to the YFCI uh, international meetings. And when I was while he was away, I helped Becky, who was in the office with some stuff. And when I, he came back, he invited me to join the staff, which I did. And mm-hmm. uh, then it went on from there. And why did you get involved in Christian ministry? Why did I get involved? Well, as an adopted child, of course, it meant I was adopted twice. I was not only adopted into God's family, but I was adopted into a human family. Mm -hmm. And so as you get a little bit older, you have the opportunity of seeing that God has a purpose and plan for your life. I mean, I know we learn that as young people, Mm -hmm. or we did then, but we don't always see it. And I'm forever grateful that I was put into that family and that I've had the opportunities that I've had. And, you know, it's just an immense privilege to be able to be part of Christian ministry. And so I think the fact that I was adopted gave me a heart for kids, Mm -hmm. for children, and certainly that has played out with the work I had the privilege of being involved in in the global south, India, Sri Lanka, other places around the globe, Philippines, Ghana, whatever, through later work after YFC. And at one point, you were the youth guidance director? Yeah, I was. And I think that gave me a heart for those kids too. Mm Because youth guidance, we set up in 1975, working with the girls at Winlayton Youth Training Centre, which was awards of the state. It was the state institution for girls who'd been in trouble with the law. Mm. So by that stage, uh, Ray and I were married. Clive actually Mm. married us. Oh, okay. And... uh, And we uh, started off with youth guidance. And some older ladies had been doing the work, but they had were no longer able to continue. And so they approached YFC and asked, would YFC be interested in taking over this program? So we did, and we called it youth guidance. 
And I can remember very clearly the first night we ever went to Rin Layton. We'd heard the stories and well, I think we, Clive and I went with another lady in a bit of fear and trembling, but it was fine. And we took a music group with us and, you know, it became what we would call Winnie. Winnie nights mm-hmm. was Wednesday night at Win Layton. And so the work there grew. And we had immense privileges there to be able to take a team of young people in every week to the different sections of Win Layton. It was graded according to the, the uh, security situation. Mm-hmm. But we did camps with those kids. We took them on outings. But, um, yeah, that was a very significant part of YFC's work. And, uh, yeah, it was a great experience. So what we tried to do, too, was get the kids into who were due for release mm. into Christian homes. And Ray and I felt that it wasn't fair to ask other people to do what we weren't prepared to do ourselves. Mm. So as a young married couple, uh, we were 24 years old at that point, uh, we took our first Win Layton girl in, and she was 14. Oh, okay. So there's only 10 years between us, and she was dark-haired and we were blondes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she insisted on calling us mum and dad. Oh, wow. And she lived with us for nearly three years. And, uh, yeah, she wasn't a Christian at the time. She gave us a good deal of strife, but she went back to school, which mm. was great. But today, all these years later, she is now a Christian, and she's oh, back fantastic. in contact with us. Yeah, so it's great oh. to see her. So a lot of other families did that as well mm-hmm. and took girls in, and it really did transform their lives. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is Glenda Diaga, who served in ministry for many years with our guest from last time, Clive Stebbins. Today, Glenda's sharing insights into Clive's colourful life journey and sharing a bit of her own story as well. Next, we'll hear more, including how she became the director of the Australian branch of a ministry founded in India. All that's coming up when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, our guest is Glenda Diaga, who served in ministry for several years with our guest from last time, Clive Stebbins. Glenda's part of a team that's compiling Clive's life story in a book called Blue Skies, Green Lights and Purple Pump Handles. Next, Glenda shares more of her life journey and we'll hear how she continues to cross paths with Clive as she serves in various ministries. Out of YFC, Youth for Christ, another ministry started called International Needs. Tell us about that and your involvement. Yeah, well, in... I was working for YFC, of course, at this time, and in 1974, the World Congress on Evangelism was held in Lausanne, Switzerland, a very significant conference Mm -hmm. that was um, uh, the Billy Graham Conference, and Clive was attending that as one of the delegates. They drew evangelists from right around the world to that conference. And the message of that conference was that the way forward in evangelism would be through that God was raising up national workers in their own countries to reach their own people. And the director of Youth of Christ International at that time was a man called Ray Harrison, a New Zealander. And Ray already had that belief because he'd lived in Asia, he'd lived in Delhi, 
and he had been uh, discipling and helping young people there who became well-known Christian leaders. One of them was Reverend Dr. Ken Narnikin, who became one of the Indian theologians. And he was a young kid in um, what was a Tammy club, teens of most important club, likewise, like a campus life club, really. And so Ray went back to New Zealand, resigned from YFC uh, to set up just to work with those people he knew. But God's vision was bigger than Ray's. Mm-hmm. And so International Needs was born because Ray knew people all around the world in YFC. And they all said, Ray, if you believe God is calling you to do this, we want to be part of it too. Mm-hmm. And so IN was born very much with the emphasis of supporting national workers to reach their own people. So Ray approached my Ray and I (laughs) and said, would you be willing just to look after a mailing list in Australia with about 20 names on it? And if a donation comes through, you know, send it on to me. Well, Mm -hmm. we were young. Who would entrust an organisation to 22-year-olds? But he did. And so the rest was history. And 32 years later, I was still there. (laughs) Wow. And so that grew from just being that very small little mailing list to full accreditation with AusAid Mm -hmm. and um, had some amazing experiences during those years with IN. And Clive was involved in that as well? Well, Clive supported me in that in that um, we didn't have an office, we didn't have a desk. And so we used to do it either at lunchtime at YFC or at home at night. So you were simultaneously working at YFC and doing international needs. Yes, exactly. Yes. Wow, very busy. (laughs) It was busy. Uh, But then after I had, by the time I had two children, I thought it was time to retire from YFC, which I did. And uh, I just worked from home then on IN. Mm. But Sometime after that, of course, Clive decided to retire from YFC at 58, I think he was about that time, thought it was time for younger leadership to come in. And so because we'd been very good friends all through that time, I said to him, why don't you come and help me at IN? Oh, okay. And uh, so the world director at that time, Mel Newth, also asked him the same, and Clive came to International Needs, and he became the director. I wasn't free to go out and... um, preach on Sundays or do those sort of things, Clive had that freedom that Mm -hmm. I didn't have. And so he came in and we worked together there for the next six years. And then at that time, one of our national leaders who came through Australia was Cynthia Devadarson from Sri Lanka. And she said to Clive, or Clive said to her, I'd love some overseas experience. And she said, well, why don't you come to Sri Lanka, you know, for a couple of months? Uh, you could help out in a school or, or help, actually help out in a children's home. And he said, okay, he would do that. So he did that. He went for three months, but he stayed for 15 years. <laughs> I'm starting to see a trend here. <laughs> yeah. But look, during those years at IN, it was just amazing. And I feel so privileged to have had that opportunity of serving because I went to some amazing places, India, Bangladesh, mm. Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Ghana, down mm. with the Tricosi slave girls in Ghana in the lower Volta region, amazing ministries, mm. uh, the Philippines. And to see God's work in those places firsthand and be able to come back and tell the stories in Australia, which, of course, raised prayer support and mm. raised funds for those ministries, was an enormous privilege. And I still have friends all around the world from those days. Okay, so after 32 years with international needs, you eventually became involved in another ministry, a completely new ministry, this one 
with Clive not having a part of it. Is that right? Well, after uh, finishing up at International Needs, yes, I was asked if I would be the director at Mukti, which I did. I took on. And, of course, it was only one country at that point. It was just India, mm-hmm. which was a real change uh, to come into an organisation that was 132 years old almost at that point. Well, not quite that long now. It is 132 years now. Well, yeah, yeah. For people who don't know anything about Mukti International, what is this ministry? Okay. Well, Mukti is, its proper name in India is Pandita Ramabai Mukti Mission, a very old, well-known organization in India, started by Pandita Ramabai, a very famous lady in Indian history. She was the daughter of a guru. Mm -hmm. She became a Christian. And so the work started with three little girls who were uh, child widows in India at that time, long time ago now. Mm But during my time at International Needs, one of the things that we did was to bring out our national leaders from one of the supporting countries that we were were supporting. And so one of those countries was Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. And so Cynthia Devadasan, who had invited Clive to go and work in Sri Lanka, serve in Sri Lanka, she used to come to Australia with two small children. One of them was Rebecca and the other one was Timothy. And they were children of a tea picker and an evangelist. And uh, they lived as a family with Cynthia and her husband. And so they would come to Australia and they would be able to recite great chunks of scripture. In fact, they could recite the whole of Psalm 132. Oh, wow. And so they would recite that amongst other things and and recite Bible stories. And Rebecca and Timothy were both sponsored to help with their education And so they would come and we got to know them. Mm -hmm. So since that time, now that I was with Mukti, Rebecca, by this stage, had been mentored by Clive during the time he lived in Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. And he'd encouraged her as a teenager because he knew her from IN days Mm -hmm. and encouraged her as she started the work of Wings of Hope. And that came about through the birth of her first baby. She and Adrian had a little baby who was born with severe difficulties Mm -hmm. and wasn't expected to live. And through that experience, she saw the plight of women and children in Sri Lanka at first hand for herself, Mm. and particularly in the tea picking regions where she'd come from as a daughter of a tea picker. And so Wings of Hope was born. And so today, Mukti Australia is the partner for Wings of Hope in Sri Lanka. Wow, so it all intersects there. Yes, yes, yes. So once again, you're connected with where Clive was serving in Sri Lanka. Yes, and so Clive has asked for the, if we can make some profits from this book uh, through the sales, that those sales will go to the work of Wings of Hope in Sri Lanka, Mm -hmm. which today is looking after the educational needs, the extra educational needs of over 200 children. But it's much more than education. It's working with their mums as well in a SHINE program, hopefully in the future working with the dads because they are the ones who really need to understand how to be good dads in a family. Hmm. And there's lots of challenges there in that country. So it's an enormous privilege to uh, be able to continue to serve alongside Clive and even though he's getting a little older these days, <laughs> he still uh, is very active. He's very active in his own church and uh, mm-hmm. loves to be involved. And he still encourages Rebecca in her leadership role. So she's paying it forward, if you like, mm-hmm. into a new generation of kids 
what she has benefited from in the past because people cared about her, she is now paying it forward into the lives of many, many children in Sri Lanka and their families. So it's a whole family event there. Wow. So quite a journey you've been on. And as we've heard, it intersected a lot with Clive's journey as well. But now you're able to mentor the next generation and Rebecca, and she's carrying it forward. So it's just beautiful how the Lord worked in all of your lives Mm. to impact so many other people's lives through these various ministries. And it's been an enormous privilege. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but do you have any final comments to kind of end our discussion today? Any lessons learned, life lessons that we can take away from everything you've been through and your time serving with Clive? I think as, as Christian believers, it's really important that we follow what we believe is God's call on our life. And, you know, even though we've had a lot of fun in YFC years, mm-hmm. a lot of challenges too, and Christian ministry is not always easy. Mm-hmm. But if you have a call of God on your life to do something, it's really important that you follow it and you stick to it. And, yeah, look, you know. No regrets? No regrets at all. None. But it has, you know, it hasn't obviously been easy for Clive at times. It hasn't been easy for me. And uh, the challenges will always be there. But that's what ministry is. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the call of God on your life. And I think, you know, that's what you need to stick to. You don't put your hand to the plow and turn away. But look, it's the, to see it reproduced in the lives of others and to see the blessing that um, God just uses ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Clive is... You know, Clive is an ordinary person. I'm a very ordinary person. (laughs) But you can still be used. And as you see Mm -hmm. the kingdom growing, and it's an enormous privilege to be part of that. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing a bit of Clive's story and your story with us today as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Eric. Well, that was Eric Scadabo chatting with Glenda Diaga, who served in various ministries with our guest from last time, Medal of the Order of Australia winner Clive Stebbins. And just to review a little bit, last time we heard how Clive started a ministry and went on to serve in various ministries both in Australia and overseas. Then today we heard how Glenda met Clive when she was a teenager and how their paths crossed several times over the years as they served together in various ministries. Finally, we heard about a young child from Sri Lanka named Rebecca who met both of them and has gone on to become the director of her own ministry to help women and children in Sri Lanka. So it's a wonderful story of the impact Clive and Glenda have had over the years and just one example of how their legacy is continuing to the next generation. It reminds me of what Paul said in the Bible, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Different people play different roles in sharing the good news of Jesus, but at the end of the day, it's God who makes them grow, and that's how the kingdom of God expands. Well, if you would like to learn more about Rebecca's story and her work, you can look up the Mukti Australia site. It's M-U-K-T-I dot org dot A-U. Once again, that's Mukti, M-U-K-T-I dot org Also, as we heard earlier, Glenda is the director of Mukti Australia. You can learn more about the rich history of Mukti and its remarkable founder at mukti.org.au. Well, thanks for joining us for Glenda's story and some more insights into Clive Stebbins' story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story 
with someone today. Next time on The Story. Yeah, I learnt how to make food stretch because we had, you know, single income and four kids in our family. I was the eldest of four and learning how to make food taste good when you didn't have a lot of options. So I became a chef apprentice at the age of 21, which was quite late in life for most apprentice chefs. Michelle Matouche works for a Christian organisation called Eagles Corner. They support deaf and hearing people in recovery from addiction and with mental health struggles. It's quite remarkable that her path into being a part of this ministry all started with her love for cooking and being a chef. How does this all fit together? We'll find out as Michelle shares how God led her next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 